You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the New York Yankees official podcast. The relationships that you build, they're amazing. They're your everyday group of people that you hang out with all year. So having these close people with you going up and level to level and now in the highest level and doing it up here, it's unbelievable. And I know we're all cherishing this moment. I mean, this for me is definitely early preparation for 2024, knowing what expectations I'm going to have going into 2024, into spring training and, and trying to win the starting job and help the team win. Every pitch that I see, it's just another scratch in the notebook of a pitch I've seen in the big leagues and how they're trying to attack me. So it's a, it's a game of adjustments. It's a game of inches. And that's what I love about the game, really. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the New York Yankees official podcast. I am John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine, and we have a special episode today just in time for spring training camps to open. It's the best time of the year in a lot of ways. Pitchers and catchers are in Tampa, and I was actually down in Tampa last week to watch the Savannah Bananas play, and while I was there, I spoke to Yankees Global Enterprises Senior Vice President and CFO Tony Bruno about some stuff that's going on around the Yankees and certainly about renovations at GMS Field and the excitement of spring training. But I also have an interview that we recorded last year with Austin Wells. It was right after he had hit his first home run. And I think that as spring training opens, guys like Austin Wells are some of the most interesting things we're going to be seeing right now. I know there's excitement about Juan Soto and Carlos Rodon and certainly Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge and all that. I always love watching the kids at spring training. So I thought it was a good idea to go back now and listen to what Austin Wells had to say as he was getting his first taste of the majors and explaining how it was going to impact him in his mind for 2024. So it's a really cool episode. I'm excited for you to listen to it. And without further ado, here is Austin Wells. Joining me right now and here we have Austin Wells. Austin, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, Austin. So the last time we spoke, it was in a Starbucks outside of Las Vegas. And we had a good conversation. It was November 2022. You said something that stuck with me, though, which I found interesting. You said that you wanted to be in the majors in 2023. And I feel like that's not something that you hear a lot of guys in that position say at that moment. I'm sure they all think that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times I think guys are conditioned directly not to say something like that. So you made it. We can talk about it in the past tense now. Mm-hmm. What made you comfortable expressing that, I guess, a year ago when we talked? Um, yeah, I guess it just comes from um having confidence in my game and and my ability really it was all about just getting the opportunity to uh come up there and uh, come up here and show what i can do so you know i had all the confidence that i could come up here and and do it so for me to say that it's not in like a cocky way but it's just in a confidence in my ability so it it didn't come off as cocky like i said it it was just different a lot i'll give you an example and and, and i'm not saying one is right or one is wrong Mm -hmm. spoke to 
Everson Pereira episode ran, I think it, it was it ran in August. And one thing he said was, I wasn't ready because I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. They would tell me when I was ready. But that's one way of talking about it, obviously. I think Everson Pereira was pretty sure he was ready to be a major leaguer, but he wants to stay like that. Mm-hmm. Do, are you someone who, is it easier for you maybe sometimes if, to verbalize your goals, to talk outwardly about things that you expect of yourself and that you want from yourself? Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I'm pretty internally driven um, and I have my own personal goals that I want to achieve and, and, you know, I have a high standard for myself. So I feel the more that I am able to speak it into existence, I think that helps me a lot mentally, uh, with confidence and, you know, with having, um, the opportunity in front of me and, and reminding myself that, you know, it's just the same game that I've been playing since I was a kid. So the talent's better as the levels go on, but it's still the same game. So I think that gives me a lot of confidence as well. I don't think that in November of 2022, you thought at that moment you were ready to be a big leaguer. I think you knew that you needed some development. You hadn't been to AAA at any of that stuff. Was there a point this year when you felt like, yes, I'm ready? I don't really know if there was a time where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm ready. I think, you know, I think this this year actually was one of my worst years hitting-wise. So, um, you know, I didn't have a ton of confidence at the plate coming up. But I feel like in this situation, there's not a perfect time ever that you know, you're going to get called up or it's going to be a perfect time. So, uh, for me, I was just trying to be ready, uh, at any, at any point really to come up. You never know what's going to happen on the big league team with trades and injuries and stuff. So my, my goal this year was to be healthy and just be as ready as possible for catching wise, be prepared to come up here and be able to take on a new pitching staff and, um, at the plate, you know, just trying to find a rhythm, trying to find confidence and, and be ready to come up here and, and make an impact. Let me flip that on you then for a second. Were there markers that, whether Kevin Reese or Brian Cashman or Aaron Boone or anyone, because you were, you know, you were around in spring training, obviously, you were hurt, but you were, you were around. Were there things that they told you you still needed to do in Somerset that you then needed to do in Scranton? Were, were there checks that you had to tick off? Uh, I don't think there was anything really specific. It was more so just go out there and play, mm-hmm. um, you know, continue to improve in all areas and, and be more comfortable behind the plate and be more comfortable in the box seeing different pitching and, and, you know, getting myself into tougher situations. I think that's what we see here on a daily basis is those, those at bats that maybe come around once or twice a week in, in the minors are once a game here. So at least, yeah. So, you know, I think them wanting me to have more experience and just all games under my belt so that when I did come up here, there was less of a learning curve and it was more just go out and play and, and, and continue to do what I've been doing and continuing to improve, obviously. So you show up in Houston walk in the door next to Jason Dominguez or whatever. Here's Justin Verlander. Have fun. How do you make that day normal? How do you make that experience normal? For me, it was actually nice because we had the, we had an extra day to kind of get to Houston. Yeah. So we had the, the day before to process everything. I had the day before to start doing scouting report like stuff for their hitters and for, for Verlander. So I had a good like kind of mental day the day before, which allowed me to have some success against him in my first game, but to make that day more normal, like I just tra- treated it like any other day, you know, woke up, had breakfast, got on the bus early, went to the field early, made sure I had enough time to be settled in and, you know, go over the signs, make sure I was prepared. So I was able to hit early, took BP, which was really cool. And then right before the game time, it was like, I was in low A, double A, triple A, it was the same deal. Got getting ready to warm up the pitcher, getting ready to warm up myself and, and be ready to play. I think people want to think that, the minor league experience, even the college experience, if you will. It's about learning how to hit at a major league level, learning how to catch at a major league level. As you sit here now, how much of it, and maybe whether it surprised you or not, maybe you knew, 
How much of the minor league experience do you think is about allowing you to walk into Minute Maid Park in Houston that day feeling comfortable, feeling ready, feeling able to treat it like a single-A or double-A or triple-A game? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. I think the minor leagues do a lot for players, um, especially me. You know, I played a lot of games that allowed me to figure out what what I needed to work on and what I needed more work in and what areas. So it allowed me to be confident going into Minute Maid Park, going into Houston, uh, who's one of our rivals in the AL and and who we've had a big history against. And they had a lot of fans there. The dome was loud, and you know that really was the only difference uh, in the game. Like we're facing future Hall of Famer Cy Young winner, but. You know, we face no some, some good arms with metric-wise, like similar guys who we faced uh, in the minor leagues who have similar stuff. So for me, it was just more so about controlling the emotions and controlling the environment rather than like being worked up about who we were facing. It was just more like making sure I was in check there so that I could call the best game I could and, and you know, swing at the right pitches. So you're maintaining a real even tone right now, even keel, everything like that. I think I should point out that about 18 hours ago, as we record this, you hit your first big league home run. <laughs> um, You've hit a lot of home runs in your life. This isn't the first time you've connected with the ball and watched it go over the fence, but it's different, right? Yeah, it was special for sure. Um, unfortunately, with a loss, but for me, just after the game, my parents were all excited and, and calling me and stuff since they weren't here. So, um, you know, it was a special moment. I feel like the first of anything is really cool. So the fact that it was here at Yankee Stadium uh, in front of the fans was really special for me. So that was a big moment. I'm guessing I'm going to say more about this than you will, but... It wasn't a wall scraper. It was one you got to watch a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's very cool to hit a home run while your head is down and you're running and then your first base coach tells you, hey, chill out, it's over the fence. But <laughs> it's got to be kind of nice to get to look at it a little bit on the way out, right? Yeah, I wish I could have looked at it a little longer, honestly. <laughs> Wishing we were up in the game or it was a close game. Fair but, enough, fair enough. But, uh, you know, it was, it was really cool. And taking the time to run around the bases and, and feel the moment was special. I can't imagine before these last two weeks you've, play too many games in stadiums that have a second deck in the outfield where you can put a ball? Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think, trying to think, like, there's really no stadium, especially in the minor leagues. There's yeah. none that have any even seats in the outfield usually. So it's cool taking BP at, at these stadiums, you know. It's a new experience for me um, being at a bigger park. So it's really cool to go out there and hit the ball around and then and, and obviously play in the game as well. I'll tell you one of my favorite, and, and, and this goes for, it could be a little league field, it could be a minor league park. One of my favorite things about decades in this business, empty stadiums. I just love these cavernous empty stadiums and whatever. And just like you said, like you're out for BP, hearing the ball bounce off uh, all those seats out there. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a trip, man. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool coming out early and being in the stadium when no one's in there. It's like pretty surreal like experience being out there. So I, I love it. I think that this is more of an indictment about how prospects are written about than anything you've done, anything you've said. But, and we've spoken about this in the past, it's still a little bit funny to hear people be like, hey, man, he's impressing me with his catching. Like, yeah, you know, maybe he can catch, whatever. You've been hearing your entire life uh, since you got drafted, essentially. Like, oh, he's going to be a first baseman soon. He'll be an outfielder. And again, going back to November of 2022, you made a point to me, which I hadn't even considered at the time, but since then, it's still true. You've never played a professional inning anywhere other than catcher. It's not like this team has been saying to you all this time, like, it's not to be. How much do you, when you hear that stuff, again, all meant to be like, hey, look how well Austin Wells is doing. How do you process that when you hear it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, from, from the beginning, there's been everyone basically saying that I wasn't going to catch. So being up here and catching and, and doing well and being able to have the confidence in the pitching staff to, to trust me right away, that was huge for me. So, um, you know, in my mind, I never had any doubts. 
and I still don't have any doubts. So being coming up here and, and catching well right off the bat was very important, and that was my goal. Regardless of what, what the situation was, I wanted to come up here and catch really well. So hearing people say, you know, that I'm doing well, it's great. But, you know, either way, there's always going to be someone saying something. So having a negative comment or a positive comment to me doesn't mean mean much to me, doesn't weigh on me much. Um, if anything, it's just more motivation. And again, like you said, if, if the team wanted to check you out at first base, there have been ample opportunities to do that. If they mm-hmm. wanted to put you in the outfield, they're in charge. Mm-hmm. They've never put you for a single inning. <laughs> Anywhere other than the catcher. Yeah, they, ha- they haven't even let me practice it, so I haven't seen seen the glove yet. So, What have you learned from the pitchers at this level? Because, I mean, the reality is you've caught a lot of these guys, even if you know not necessarily here. But when they're here, what are you learning from them? What do you learn from being around big league pitchers? Yeah, a lot of these guys have a lot of big league experience. So getting to come up here and, and pick their brains and, and hear what they're trying to do against hitters, it's a, it's a good perspective for me. You know, there's a lot of guys that have two or three really, really good pitches. And sometimes that's not even enough in the big leagues. So them being like, this is the location I want to throw at. This is the spot I want to throw this pitch and the count I want to throw this pitch. It's another level of uh, preparation and understanding their tool set and like what they're trying to do each and every day. So it's been really cool to hear them talk about that and, and really cool to be back there and watch them throw. I think it was your third game up here when you threw out the runner. The first, first guy you took off against, you, I, I believe, I loved your reaction to that. What's going through your head as a? Yeah. I was fired up. It was. It was <laughs> that was another one of those moments where I was almost almost cooler than you know the home run. So, um, being back there and being able to throw at the first guy that stole that was big for me. Big momentum and big confidence to be able to throw um, like that. So um, that was really cool. There are. I don't think I need to tell you this season is going to go down as a disappointment um, in terms of the way it started, in terms of what the expectations are, all that stuff. Since, as we're talking right now, since September 1st when you came up, the team's 11-7. and That's pretty close to a 100-win pace since you've been up here. Do you feel like you're playing for a winning team because the team is winning, even if it's not overall a team that's winning to the extent that the Yankees wanted to? Being up here 11-7, and does it feel like you're playing for a winning team? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the guys, the whole team really is really still pushing. There's still a lot of fight and we're going to be able to control what we can control, and that's winning ball games every day. And I know it's we're eleven and seven, but really it feels more than that because we've had some really close games. Yeah. Um. So you know, I think we're playing a, a a winning brand of baseball here. It's winning the war, not the battle. So we're trying to trying to continue that even with little games left. And I guess as you're alluding to, as we record this, you're not eliminated yet. Obviously, mm-hmm. the win the war, not the battle. Is it fair to say that the war continues in 2024? I think in general for me, being here in in a short time, like this is only just the first step, like being up here and and getting my feet wet and, you know, trying to help the team win in any way I can here in a short time. Um, But I mean, this for me is definitely early preparation for 2024, knowing what expectations I'm going to have going into 2024, into spring training and, and, you know, trying to win the starting job and help the team win. And I think in a, as a team aspect, like we're seeing a lot of young guys coming up who can impact the ball game with the swing of the bat or a play on defense. And I think like in, I'm there in the same boat as me where we're showing we can play and, and help the team win. And um, I think this offseason is going to be huge for all of us uh, and, and the direction of the team. Uh, and, and obviously, look, I mean, the home run notwithstanding, you know, I don't think you thought it was going to be easy to hit at the major league level, but it's been a struggle. I mean, do you find yourself knowing, even if in that moment 
frustration can take over whatever you want to get a hit every time, but knowing later the next day, whatever, like I'm building data, I'm mm-hmm. building information yeah. and I have a whole long off season to try to make sense of all this stuff right now. Yeah, no, definitely. I've definitely um, gotten pitched a lot differently than I have in the minors. Um, definitely a lot more off speed early in the counts and not really many fastballs to hit in the zone. So for me, it's a good, it's definitely going to be a, a, a good adjustment going into the off season. You know, with a good game plan and, and, and I'll have a decent sample size of the last month of how different teams were attacking me. So for me, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to to go into the offseason and work on a lot of stuff. So like you said, though, every pitch that I see, it's just another scratch in the notebook of a pitch I've seen in the big leagues and how they're trying to attack me. So it's a, it's a game of adjustments. It's a game of inches. And that's what I love about the game, really. So it's it's been very cool need to point out you're wearing a t-shirt right now that has you know very funny little uh graphics of everson Pereira, jason dominguez obviously anthony volpe a guy named austin wells oswald peraza over there first off obviously i mean I, i'll never get over just the numbers you look like a wide receiver core um, <laughs> but what's it like to do this together in a sense what's it like let's take being an example like everyone was waiting for jason from when he was 16 years old mm-hmm. You've known him as a baseball player. You've you've known him as a sensation. You haven't known him as like the Martian or whatever. He's yeah. a baseball player. To you. But and you, he's he's the guy who made his debut the same day you did. Mm-hmm. How special is it to share this stuff? Yeah, we uh, we were actually talking about it yesterday, and it's just so cool. You come into this organization with guys you've never met or you've never seen before, and you become such a close knit group at every level. And the relationships that you build. They're amazing. They're, you know, they're your everyday group of people that you hang out with all year. So having these close people with you going up and level to level and now in the highest level and doing it up here, it's a, it's unbelievable. It's a very cool experience. And I know we're all cherishing this moment because trades happen so fast. We've already had guys who were close with traded in the last few years. So, you know, you never know what the team's going to look like. Like this team will never be the same team again after this season. So the guys who are on this team now and the guys who are still coming up, like those are, those are all our guys. And seeing them do well is super cool. Coming up with Jason and seeing him rake right off the bat didn't surprise me one bit just because i knew him and got to play with him and i knew exactly that's exactly what he was going to do when he got the opportunity so it was super cool also watching anthony from opening day like being around him when we were obviously living together in spring training just seeing him and how he carried himself he did such an unbelievable job and and won that job so that was a big like proud moment from me to him so that was awesome yeah i mean because you guys share the successes, obviously, but you also share the pain in a sense. Mm-hmm. And you share, like you mentioned, the business aspects of it too. But look, your guy, you know, you you know how annoying injuries can be. You know how little control over them. You know, you can share the highs with Jason of mm-hmm. watching that happen. And then, I mean, how crushing is it for you? Sure, as a teammate, but also as a buddy and mm-hmm. a guy invested in this organization in a sense, mm-hmm. just to watch that like shooting star just kind of burst for a second. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying that only the Martian could really ground himself with, with, <laughs> with the injury. So um, it's really unfortunate and I feel terrible for him. Um, you know, he works really hard and, and this year, especially I felt like kind of like a bigger brother to him and, you know, seeing him go through that pain um, and, you know, he, he tried playing through it, which is un- unbelievable. And he wanted to be out there and, and 
you know, it was really serious for him not to be able to be out there. So it sucks. And but I know he's going to come back and be even stronger. I saw his post yesterday. He's like he's like bionic now. He's like the bionic Martian. So he's got he's got a bionic arm and and you know he's got great spirits and great confidence. So I have no doubt he's going to come back and and crush it. And that's the thing. I think it applies to all of you in a sense because look, I don't think I don't I don't know the details of when this injury. Like I don't think that Jason Dominguez tore his UCL or injured his UCL. Let's say between September first and September 9th or whatever when he went down. I'm sure that was something that was building for a while. My point is it probably would have happened at AAA. <laughs> Similarly, you have this experience now in this last month, even if it might be in kind of a lost month for the Yankees, to go into the offseason with this. Look, I'm sure Jason would rather not be starting a rehab process. I'm sure, you know, all these things. But to have gotten the major league experience, how valuable do you think, forget about 2024, 2025, 2026, you know, this month, how much of an impact do you think it'll have on your career? Uh, I think it'll have a huge impact, you know. Being able to get the first taste of big leagues at the end, that was that was all I was really hoping for um, as the year went on because I know how much more prepared I'll be going into spring training next year knowing what I know about the major leagues and like how it works. The little minute details that I don't have to worry about going into spring training, worrying about going into hopefully opening day. There's so much more I can just be relaxed about, go out and play now that I have understood the process of the big leagues and understood how it kind of works and how things roll especially here on the Yankees. So um, it's been great. I'm very blessed to be here. Well, awesome. Well, I look forward to watching a lot of baseball from you and uh, Yankees Pinterest moving forward. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Hi, this is Anthony Volpe. You're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, this is Giancarlo Stan. You're listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. Welcome back to the New York Yankees official podcast. I am here now, as I said, with Tony Bruno, Yankees Global Enterprises Senior Vice President and CFO. And Tony, I, we, we said it beforehand, but here in Austin, talk like that again from, from the end of last year, but it just puts me in such a mood of it's spring. The weather's getting better, certainly here in Tampa. It's pretty nice out, but... uh you know, we're going to be watching these guys uh, playing pretty soon. Yeah, it's it's fun. This is a fun time. And, you know, we, we love the idea that we broadcast back to New York and you get to see the green grass and, and the sunny skies and, and, you know, the young players and, you know, the, the returning players and the guys coming with different uh, approaches to the, to the new season. Nothing but hope. Uh, it's it's a great time. It's like the true signal at winter's ending. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we love it and we're excited to have everybody here. It's a fun time for us, a busy time for us. But this is, uh, this is what we all do. And the idea that we get to kick it off here is great. Look, I mean, it, it was a little bit more than two weeks ago. Punxsutawney Phil told us we were getting in early spring and here we are. And, you know, it's uh, February on the calendar, but it's March in our minds, right? March that's, 21st. That's correct. So you've been doing this for a while. Do you 
get the same feeling every year as you know you start looking at the calendar and that february 14th february 15th date starts getting closer it, it's 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 remarkable once the calendars turn from the holidays and you recognize that it's you know it's now not so far away uh that same feeling happens when i first started with the yankees 24 years ago a friend of mine told me well you know what you what is a love and a hobby becomes your job it really never happened and it's and and this is the time that you know you you recognize that when um you know it, the calendar turns to february pitches and catches are reporting it's just this this new lease on our our, our business life, but also our sporting life, and it's a great uh, it's a great time. So the, the, this feeling never changes. It's always exciting. It's always great to to have everyone start to come back. You know, some guys get here earlier, and you know, those are the first signs that you know the. Uh, I, I I rather I'd rather that be the signs of this winter is ending, particularly in the Northeast, as opposed to Puck's Tony Phil. <laughs> I know he gets all the credit, but I think baseball is really the really the signal. The question in everyone's mind: Did Aaron Judge see a shadow? Um, <laughs> you, you, you know, you, you you know this as well as I do. All these affiliates that the Yankees have, you, you know, if you go to Scranton, if you go, there's a, a Yankees feel when you're in that stadium, even if it's not exactly in the Bronx. Same with Somerset. Same with Hudson Valley. It's different here in Tampa, though. Obviously, this is the center of the Yankees operation year round in a lot of ways. Obviously, there's the Bronx, but you know, there's always Yankee stuff happening here. With, with that in mind, you know, when you look at there's so much time spent here on development and young players, and you get six weeks of, and this is what it's all about in a sense. How exciting is it that everyone who your your regular fans, your guys who come to all the Tarpons game and everything like that, that they have that time with Juan Soto, that they have that time with you know Garrett Cole also. Yeah, I mean we're, we we love being part of this community, and I and I recognize we've got a competitor in town, and they only came in twenty plus years ago, but we still have this presence here, and it's it's you know it's 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 about the brand, it's about what we do on a year in and year out basis, what we have, what our history is. So it's great to have. It's great to bring that into this community and bring the new guys in, and um, it, it's just different. I mean, it's 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 different here. Our presence is. In, in our, in our not, what's not our home market, it's really remarkable. And that's a testament to not only our longevity and history, but the Steinbrenner family who lived here a good portion of their lives. So we're such an integral part of this community, particularly this side of the Bay. I, I think of the, the town having yet another major, uh, a major league franchise or major league team just to happen to have it only for six weeks. And, but I mean, honestly, like if you, if you've never been here, it's kind of a little hard to explain because as you drive up Dale Mabry, which is the road that leads to George Steinbrenner Field, you know, on the right, you have the Bucks Stadium. But before you get there, you have the minor league complex and everything. And it's just, you're, you're in this little area right by the airport, but you just feel this sense that like somehow the New York Yankees just are surrounding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on all sides in a sense. And it's just kind of like one and one, one on one hand, one on the other hand. Yeah. I mean, and, and Dale Mabry, as you probably know, is one of the busiest thoroughfares in, in uh, certainly in Tampa and probably one of the busier ones in Florida. So we've got great visibility and great presence. When I come across someone that learns what I do and who I work for and, and that I live in Tampa, when you're here, it make, they, it just makes a lot of sense. I mean, because because of that visibility and that presence and our, you know, now being in this market nearly 30 years. You, you beat me to it there. 30 years. I mean, if you look at uh, there, there's a lot of fans who have been coming here since 96, since that first season. You know, as we are sitting here now, about two weeks from the first game in uh, GMS Field this spring, what are fans going to see this year that might be a little different for them? Well, I, I hope they're going to see a, a healthy team. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're going to see a team with some new energy. I think our team is going to have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Um, 
you know, last year didn't go as well as anyone would have hoped and went actually a lot worse than anyone would have ever feared. And I, I think they're going to see a team that's really going to put business first and, and, and really redeem themselves from last year's, uh, last year's season. No one was happy with it. And, you know, we've got some new blood coming, uh, Clearly, Juan Soto is going to be a, a big, big addition to our team. Marcus Stroman is going to be great, and Alice Verdugo, and, and uh, you know the other guys that we picked up in trades. And you know, it, as important as the new guys, it's the it's the guys that have been here getting healthy, and um, and then the young guys continuing to develop, like Austin Wells. Mm-hmm. That that's almost like an addition when you bring a guy in and now he's got his first taste and he, he's an, he's an addition even though he's an addition from within and there, I think you're going to see that great combination of the veteran the new player the new veteran the young players and that's what's been making our team such a I I think such a, an interesting team for this year because we have this great combination of senior leadership, young guys, new guys. I think it's going to be a great combination. And I think the fans are going to recognize that when they're here. And we've got some great response to ticket sales. And you know, so it, it suggests that our fans are excited about us being here and about seeing this team off to its start for uh, 2024. Like we said, though, you know, almost 30 years. How do you keep this place fresh? Uh, George M. Steinbrenner Field, formerly Legends Field. You know, how, how do we make sure that fans coming in here you know, every year feel like they're in the premier spring training facility and complex in the league. You know, the, the family's legacy, Mr. Steinbrenner's legacy just remains. And that's the way he kept it. That's the way he wanted it. And I think we're all real proud about how that has maintained. And, uh, you know, this is when, when someone drives by that they're in Tampa from New York and they stop by, they're going to see just a pristine environment. It's something that he preached. It was important to him. We've retained that legacy and we've continued it. So it's not just keeping it clean and keeping it well swept and, and, uh, and, you know, everything manicured. It's also by being responsive to our fans and making changes where we, where we think makes sense. Like in 2017, when we renovated the the entire facility, but we're always doing things like that to keep us current. We stay on top of what's trendy in in our game, whether that's with food or whether it's with social locations or how how we put on a game, uh, the entertainment during the game, entertainment after the game, that's all important to us. So we're constantly looking ahead, keeping tabs on what others are doing, recognizing what our fans want and what, and, and what they need, so to speak, to have a, have a great experience. And we do that on a regular basis. It's important to us. We recognize how important it is to our fans, and, and we continually, continuously always are on top of that. Since I've been down here for the Savannah Bananas, which we'll get to in a minute, I've had two different people tell me, yeah, you know, typical, normal, busy uh, February as we get ready for spring training, but the real action, uh, you know, the minute that last out of spring training hits and the, and the buses pull away, you guys are starting a pretty big renovation project again. Any details on that? Yeah. So this time, this time we're focusing and, and, and shame on us. Maybe we should have focused on it a little more. So when we did the, the, the fan facing amenities in 2017, we are, you know, we're, we're actually finishing phase one on really revamping all of the player amenities, what I call the player suite. And uh, I had a chance to, t- to walk through with our senior operations guy and with Hal, and we walked the, uh, the facilities and they really hadn't been renovated much in the 30 years that we've been here, and they really needed it. And um, the needs of today's player are much different than they were in 1996. 
and it was clear. And even though they're only here for six weeks, it's an important six weeks. It's when guys are really starting to turn it up, at, you know, after the off season. And it's important to get them off on the right foot. And Hal's real dedicated to making sure that they're we're doing everything we can to keep the players healthy, to keep them on the cutting edge of technology, to keep them on the cutting edge of uh, performance science. And it, and this is where it all begins. And even though it's a short period of time relative to the season, it was important to do that. So you're going to see uh, hydrotherapy equipment in hot plunge, cold plunges, and uh, better uh, facilities for the players as they engage with one another and with our medical staff in in their preparation, conditioning. So weight room is going to be redone. And, and like I said, the, the hydrotherapy processes are going to be improved. The medical uh, areas are going to be improved. The locker room itself is being spiffed up so that it's a little bit more current than it was. So really putting them in a good environment to get things started. And that's really what our focus has been. And also, I mean, and forgive me if I'm talking out of school here. I've heard, you know, it's not just uh, the home side that's being improved. Also, you're you put new bat, you're putting new batting cages in on the visitor side, stuff like that. It's a it's a real full uh, project. Yeah. So we we built a building. We we took up one of our fields, and 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 we we really are at a time of this game's um, development that visiting teams really need to stay out of the the home team's quarters. And in, in a spring training facility, it wasn't uncommon for us to share facilities. And it just really becomes a little bit awkward. And, yeah. and you know, we, you know, so, so much is proprietary of what we do and as it relates to technology. And it was just better to keep them out of our facility and, but as important, give them their own facility because they feel the same way. So uh, yeah, we, we actually doing some stuff for the visiting team as well. Are you a college football fan? I am. So one of the things I love about college football, or maybe don't love, whatever you want to say, is it's such an arms race, obviously, right? You know, yeah. it's so much about recruiting, and you have to get these players in here. And so what do you do? You show them when they come visit you. Look at all these amenities we have for you. Look at, like, you know, what you can do. Look at this video game room. Look at this, you know, hydrotherapy room, everything like that. Is there a sense in your mind that, you know, as Brian Cashman and his crew go out there, that improvements like this, things, when, when they're talking to free agents, and they're able to they want to be able to say the Yankees have the absolute best equipment to keep you in tip-top shape all season. I think it's I think it's very important. I mean, I, I think that when you're trying to recruit a player, or I, I think your facilities are are always important. And we're we're going to be doing work in New York as well, so that's where they spend most of the time. And unfortunately, the the footprint there is a lot more difficult to work with. But but uh, but we're still being real creative with how we're utilizing space and putting in similar concepts that we're adding here. Some had already been there because that building is a lot is a lot newer. newer than this one. So but but nevertheless it's how quickly it it changes. I and mean, you're you're hundred percent right. It's an arms race. I mean it's a delicate balance between the new shiny object in the room that everybody wants and what really makes sense and is productive. But in the same respect, that's going to appeal to, to players. And it becomes a word of mouth thing too, mm -hmm. right? So uh, We always yeah. hear that though. We always hear people saying when they sign with a team, for example, you know, I spoke to this guy and he said, you know, how well we were treated on the road, how well all these things go. And that they're, they're making decisions for their families. They're making decisions for their life. But much bigger than a college kid, you know, might be there for two years. You know, a lot of these guys are moving kids. They're moving and they want to make sure they're getting the best experience. And that's a huge part of it. It's meaningful. No, it's definitely meaningful. And and when we hear it, and like I said before, Hal's always really on top of things like that because he, he knows that those are, are relevant when it comes to those decisions. Speaking on, of being on top of things, as I said, I'm down here because the Savannah Bananas are here. I wanted to check out kind of a new phenomenon in baseball. And I went to my first game and, and 
I was just struck the entire time by how charming it was and I, and, and how exciting it is and how different it is. And I keep seeing, you know, the name George M. Steinbrenner on the scoreboard. And then I'm watching, you know, this party ha- happen in there. And it's interesting to me. And I think it's fantastic that the Yankees are involved with something like this, that they recognize that there, there's a meaningful partnership there, even if it doesn't seem like the first thing you would think of when it comes to the New York Yankees. The Tampa Sports Commission, the head of Tampa Sports Commission, Rob Higgins, came to me about a year and a half ago and said, gee, we've got an opportunity to bring the Savannah Bananas to Tampa. Would that be something you're interested in? Well, I had to quickly Google to figure out who they were or what they were. And um, it didn't take long. And it really found that uh, it was a great concept, you know, taking a different spin on our game. And we brought them in last year. And we it was, this last year was after spring training. We did them at the end of April. And we did two sold-out nights was blown away with the interest from not only our local community, but from from folks outside of this community. The demand was off the charts. We were sold out. We actually had a rain delay in the second game and everybody stayed. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it. It was raining all day. The weather was lousy. We thought the chances of playing the game were slight to none. And we wound up finding a window that required people to wait and nobody left. And the stadium was as full the second night after the rain delay as it was the first night. And it really said something about the appeal of this organization and the appeal of what the Savannah Bananas is doing. I mean, I know the the logical analogy is the Harlem Globetrotters of baseball, but it's different. It's a, it's a fair analogy, but the difference is in baseball, you still have to play the game, and they really do play the game. And these guys are talented, and they, they're bringing players from AA and AAA and, and that are really recent to the game, high draft choices. Some, one guy last night was actually played in the Tampa, Tampa, for the Tampa Yankees. Jake's Cole, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine how he must feel of been the last time he was here, he was playing in professional baseball, and now he's back and he's putting on this show. The team collectively has over 10 million social media followers. I mean, it's it's remarkable. I think the reason that it appealed to us is that in its core still, it's baseball. Mm-hmm. And it's sure, it's a, it's a fun spin on baseball, but it is baseball. And I think that when we signed up for this community, when we we renovated the field in 2017 and we committed to another 30 years here, we committed to bringing bringing entertainment and bringing uh, acts to this town and uh, and utilizing this building on not only a spring training time and a Tampa Tarpons time, but outside of that time. And this just fit perfectly. I mean, at that time, I had no idea that we'd be talking about a fun spin on baseball, but that's what this was. It was a perfect fit. And, you know, we're embraced by our local governments, the sports commission, as I said, to bring this to town. And they, and, and they bring people from all over the country to come to these games. It's, it's really remarkable. And it's, 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 the great thing is, is that it's ultimately a testament to the love people have for baseball. Because as fun as everything that they do is, it ultimately all ties back to, you know, a ball, a bat, a glove, a pitcher, a catcher, a hitter. And it all ties back to that. It all comes back to that. And they just have a fun, a fun take on it. And it's just a perfect fit for what we do. I've been to a lot of spring training games here. I've been to sellouts. I've been to Tampa Tarpons games. I've never seen a two-hour experience here where everyone was engaged at that level for the entire time. And like, I mean, you can have the conversations, you know, is this the future of baseball? No, this isn't the future of baseball. This is a future of a sport, though. It's something. And they, they have a product here. And it's fascinating to watch. And like, again, I think I've already said this, but I was talking to someone last night. And the word I kept going back to was just charmed. 
Like I was charmed by it. And I'm curious, you know, <laughs> maybe this is a, an unfair question. What would the boss have thought? What, 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 what would, it, what would George Steinbrenner have thought of watching that? So I, um, I, I learned a long time ago, not very ever to speak on Fair. his behalf, <laughs> but, but last night somebody came up to me and said, you know, I think the boss would have loved this. And I, listen, I'm, I, I could easily give my opinion and I knew him. I think he would have. And I, think the thing that he would have loved about it is the appeal to kids. That's what I think he would have loved about it. I think he would have, I, he had a great sense of humor. So I think he would have laughed at this, the, the gimmicks and the tricks and everything. But I think the most important thing is he would have loved to have seen the kids involved and, uh, and how it appeals to young people. And that nothing bad can come out of our game being introduced to young people in some capacity and for them to leave here loving what they saw regardless of the 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 version of baseball that it is or banana ball as they like to call it i think he would i think he would have i think he would have loved it you know one thing that i heard yesterday i was talking to one of the bananas uh, assistant coaches and i just you know said you know is it nice to come back to a facility that you've already been to you know does that make uh, your life a little easier as you plan for and, and we should point out this is their these are their first games of the season they start they're starting their season here this year and he right away said this was our favorite stop when you hear that you know from, from your uh, from your role here how does that make you feel to hear that that was the message, right? That's what we that's what we wanted to, to we wanted to happen last year because I think that's what resulted in them coming back. They're playing in six major league mm -hmm. uh, stadiums this year, so you know I recognize there's another there's a major league city in this there's a major league stadium in this town, and I knew that if we put on the right welcome and the right show for them, that they would come back here. I Maybe mean, baseball belongs outside to the degree it can be outside. This time of year, it's obviously ideal to be outside. It's a great intimate environment for what they do. But we knew that we had a we had to put on the Yankee show when someone comes and uses this facility. And I think we do it all of the time. Mm -hmm. But we really did it in this instance. And it was it was like old home week for some of them. They they were here last year and they loved coming back. And it's our hope they want to come back as often as uh, as 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 they can. So that was important to me. And I I recognized it when uh, Jesse Cole, who's the owner founder, when when we saw him, all families got a lot of Yankee roots and. That doesn't hurt, and um, you know. But we put on the right welcoming hats and, and and did the right thing. And look, I think it's also worth pointing out if you were to pick a big leaguer who felt most like a Savannah banana in some ways, you know, having Nick Swisher be an ambassador and, and being back here with them this year, uh, that doesn't hurt. No, he's he's the best, and and uh, Nick, yeah, I think Nick was Nick was made for this type of uh, environment. He played last year, and. Uh, you know his energy and you know and his sense of humor and you know the big and always a smile i mean that's you know he's he can't you can't have a better ambassador i told jesse that yesterday he's he's great and, and look i mean I, I think that a lot of times the conversation gets a little reductive when you talk about banana ball versus baseball and, and i mean i think that what you want to say when you do that is banana ball is new and fun and quirky and baseball is old and boring and stodgy i think that anyone who paid attention last year saw that major league baseball saw an issue with its sport and put in a lot of new rules that they were working on fixing it. Baseball's willing to change. Baseball's willing to do stuff to stay current. That doesn't mean that you know players are going to start dancing or wearing stilts when they're playing. With that said, is there one thing that Banana Ball does so well that you feel like we got to get that in Major League Baseball? I think the, the in-between innings entertainment that they do and the way they use music and the way it's really current and really thoughtful, it's not a stodgy old 
organ, right? It's 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 current music. And we love our organs. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think the way they are willing to embrace that and put it, make it part of the game is great. Yeah, it's hard to see a lot of, of the things they do on the field ever being rolled out into into the game. But I think really the music and um, the energy and the in between innings type of you know, uh, of gimmickry that they do. Some of that could, some of that can play off, you know, the way they introduce players. I mean, there's some really neat stuff. I love the walks or the sprints, I should say. I love this idea that take as many bases as you want. Everyone has to touch the ball, make it competitive. Let's, let's get, let's get action. In the <laughs> that is one of the ones I thought of when you said, you know, could they, you know, when you get a walk, you have every, all nine players have to touch the ball and the guy, the guy has a free, free reign to go as far as he can. Pretty cool. It's fantastic. I yeah. Think. So as we finish this here, pitchers and catchers have reported, you know, we're, 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 we're really looking kind of, we just have this tunnel vision right now. I mean, to the end of spring training, to opening day, to you know the last game of the World Series, whatever. When you look though at the success of these first two years with the bananas, is this a do? Do you envision yourself as keeping this partnership going and as wanting to see how it can build? We'd we'd love to do it. We'd we'd love to have them back every year. I think they're going to grow to a point where they're going to probably have to go to different places, mm-hmm. and maybe it makes sense for them like a concert. You know, you know, same act doesn't come to same town every year. I think you you'll probably see that happen. We went from two days to three days. Maybe there's other opportunities for us in the organization to play at some of our other facilities. So we see the partnership growing. We hope that they're here every year, but we we hope that we're on a regular rotation with them, and we can bring this to Tampa. It's great business for the town. The fans love it. It's a great facility for what they do. So it's, I think it's a natural match. And as you heard and saw, they love coming here. So it's a win-win. What better combination can you have than that? And uh, it's fun to be part of it. It is. And Tony, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this today. Like I said, this is the most optimistic time. This is the perfect time to be talking baseball. It's an unexpected time to be watching an unexpected version of baseball. But it really, it, last night, it just got me in this mood of watch, watching these games. Yeah, man. Pretty soon, we're watching uh, Aaron Judge take some swings. We're watching uh, Garrett Cole throw some pitches. Uh, It's upon us. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. Terrific. Thanks, John. And we look forward to a great season. Let's go. Hi, this is Oswaldo Cabrera. Thank you for listening to the New York Yankees official podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe at theyankee.com slash podcast or at the podcast app of your choice and tell your friends. The New York Yankees official podcast is a production of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. It's produced by me, John Schwartz, with assistance from the entire team at Yankees Magazine, as well as incredible support from the New York Yankees Media Relations Department, in particular Jason Zillow, Michael Margolis, and Caitlin Brennan. Thanks also to our awesome social media team, Ryan Callahan, Julia Shore, and Alex King. If you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? We're available wherever you listen to your podcasts or at yankees.com slash podcasts. Leave us a review, leave us a rating. You can even send us your thoughts over email, podcasts at yankees.com. For more information about the stories we discussed today, visit yankees.com slash magazine, where you can read all of our long-form content. If you'd like to subscribe to Yankees Magazine, or purchase individual copies of the magazine, yearbook, media guide, or anything else, please visit yankees.com slash publications or call us at 800-GO-YANKS. Of course, you can also stay up to date on everything happening here at the stadium by following us on Twitter, at Yanks Magazine, or by liking us on Facebook at Yankees Magazine. That's it. See you next time, and go Yanks.